Hey, this is Heather. Hey, this is Liz. This week, we sit down for our first uh, episode of Bat Month to talk about Batman the Animated Series and Mask of the Phantasm. Let's hit that music. Okay, welcome everybody to Bat Month. Bat Month! Bat Month! Yes, that sounded too good. <laughs> we actually aren't doing any of the Adam West Batmans in Batman. We're not, Month. but they have, they have the best sing-along theme music, so. I agree. Well, that might be an exception for next week when we do the Tim Burton Batmans because you have Prince's. You mean the entire album of Prince? Yes. Because it's amazing. Yeah. Anyway. But that's for next week. Let's introduce everybody to Bat Month. This is our first theme month. It's for my birthday theme, so I picked the theme. In September uh, will be Liz's theme month, Mm -hmm. and she gets to pick the theme. Yeah. She's probably figuring out ways to torture me. (laughs) (laughs) No. Maybe. (laughs) So we don't know what September's theme yet is, but now we're here in April, so we are calling it Bat Month because it's Batman-themed. Today we're going to talk about the animated series, but we're instead of focusing on just the animated series, I really wanted to talk quite a bit about Mask of the Phantasm, which was a movie that came out between, I believe, seasons one and seasons two of the animated series. I didn't see it till much later, but it really makes you appreciate the animated series all that much more. I didn't see it till Tuesday. So there you go. Some people <laughs> haven't seen it till recently. I do have DC Universe. We signed up for that. And so it was free. I've already spent like $12 just renting it, you know, right. a couple, two or three times. Well, Paul is a giant Batman fan. So we actually already own digitally all of the movies. We had all of the DVDs of the animated series. But I think when we were doing our Marie Kondo a couple weeks ago, we either threw them out or gave them all to my niece. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> yeah, if you're not going to read them or not read them, watch them consistently, it might be something better for somebody else to join the genre. Yay. Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, we, we're kind of media hoarders. Uh, we just kind of have held on to books and CDs and DVDs and Blu-rays and all of that. And as we're getting older and just realizing that when you move from place to place, um, they're fucking heavy. So (laughs) most of my my book collection is now eBooks and audiobooks because it's just, I kind of like having my entire library with me at any given time. I also really like being able to read kind of smutty books in a public setting and nobody knows what's happening. So there's that. There is that. But also people don't know if you're reading like a 500 page, like really uh, thought provoking one either. Right. Is it Shakespeare? Is it porn? You'll never know, Becky. Back off. (laughs) So, Uh, yeah. So um, let's talk about. uh, So this week we'll talk about Batman, the animated series. Now, this had creators Bruce Timm and Eric Radomsky. And he's Eric Radomsky is the one that came up with the the 
the main difference in that cartoon from other cartoons around that or animations is the background is entirely black and then they paint the color on top of it, whereas, you know, all other animations is the background's entirely white and then they paint the color Mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, it makes for a very different look than what you're used to seeing it. You know, it kind of rolls with that gritty DC thing that we're always talking about. Yeah. First, I want to talk about uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Well, we should say that there's spoilers. Yeah, there is spoilers. We won't recap it. I think most people have seen it or maybe know a little bit about it, but except for Liz. Yeah, I didn't know a thing. (laughs) But um, it is essentially the Batman origin story that is not the origin story everybody knows, right? Everybody knows about uh, Martha and Thomas and, you know, getting killed. So, Mm -hmm. yes, his parents have been killed. He's an orphan. He's rich. There you go. I just summed up the origin story of that. <laughs> now, yes. that being said, every single thing we're going to talk about in Bat Month, we'll recap that somehow, somewhere, because they think that nobody knows it. Everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. We got it. You don't. It drives me nuts. You really nuts. don't have to keep telling us. So. Yeah. I mean, I could see doing it at the beginning of a like a new reboot. Mm-hmm. But we hear all the time, every single episode, every single comic book, they mention it. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know. All right. And not just once, either. Because I just finished reading what we're going to be doing for week three of Bat Month. And it's like, Jesus Christ, we got it. We got it. <laughs> yes, we know. Right. Over it. <laughs> Batman needs therapy. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> All right, so I, let's talk about Mask of the Phantasm. So this is actually the birth of the vigilante Batman because of his uh, origin. He's You start out and he's trying to infiltrate gangs to try and get rid of the crime in Gotham City. He's going for the seedy element of the city and he's going after them. In a ski mask and a sweater. Yes. Um, which is where he kind of noticed that that doesn't strike fear into a lot of people. Mm-mm. That being said, you do get to see his learning some martial art, also being rich and not wanting to mention anybody. But he does have this idea of what he wants to do, and he wants to get kind of the, into the deep underbelly and try and resolve the underlying crime that is plaguing Gotham City and has then subsequently caused the death of his parents. Yeah, and he kind of, you know, it starts out, you know, with the, the same Batman thing. Like, I can't do anything with my life because I made a promise when I was 10 years old to my parents that I would rid crime out of Gotham. It's yeah. like, I don't think they, one, agreed to that bargain and two, expected you to take on the entire world because one douchebag shot some people in an alley. Yeah, I know. It's like, Maybe if he made that promise to them on their deathbed or something, he probably hey, did in some of these, these renditions. He must have in some in one version of the origin story, I'm sure. But it's like, why are you holding yourself to this standard? And do you think any parent while laying dying in front of their 10 year old goes, avenge me? I mean, no, that's not. <laughs> it's like, turn your head. Don't look at me while I'm bleeding out. I mean, that's just. I don't know. It was a common theme, though, like even in Shakespeare and stuff. So maybe it's just like a rich person thing. Maybe rich people want their kids to avenge them. I don't know. I think it probably has more to do with Batman's or Bruce Wayne's survivor guilt than anything else. And survivor, I mean, survival guilt is real. This is a thing, you know, and I get it, but... Maybe let's not stake our entire future on it. Yeah. Going back to the movie just a little bit, it is a little bit more mature than the animated series. I don't think that it's so mature that kids couldn't watch it. You do see a little bit more, a uh, little bit more sexuality. Like you can see there's 
uh, scene with Andrea Beaumont is wearing nothing but Bruce's shirt, you know, from the yeah, night she's before. got no pants, no pants. That's a common theme in DC, no pants. But they're not they're not fucking or anything. I mean, they're just it's it's no. the illusion of fucks given. It was the aftermath. <laughs> well, you know, she's standing out on a balcony, broad fucking daylight in just his button down shirt, which, by the way, also doesn't happen. Like we were talking about this and something else is like, um, that doesn't happen. It really doesn't. Yeah. Usually the men's shirts do have problems buttoning up in the front for ladies. Well, they're backwards. The buttons are on backwards. So it is more challenging. But again, if I'm going to grab a shirt from a dude, it's probably going to be a t-shirt. I'm not going to go through the hassle of buttons. Yeah. Something comfortable. Mm -hmm. I know. And like underneath every dress shirt is undershirt. Wear the undershirt. Maybe it's stinky. He's probably sweaty. Yeah, I bet he stinks. <laughs> Cartoon sex is so much cleaner than real life, or so I've heard. All right. Um, Andrea Beaumont is actually the w- woman in the show that Bruce Wayne actually falls in love with. And she was uh, she was voiced by Dana Delaney. Who's that? Remember, she was in China Beach. Uh, she's been a ton of shit. You'd know her if you saw her immediately. I probably would. Um, yeah. So she was she was a pretty big like evening i don't know i guess she probably did some movies but she did a lot of like evening television uh, okay. like i said china beach she was on she was like the head nurse or something on that show all right she's been a lot of stuff. anyway yeah. wasn't who was i was expecting um tara strong was in it i think she's usually the voice of harley quinn or batwoman or like a uh, wonder woman somebody so mm-hmm. and then of course kevin conroy as batman yep iconic and later on we get our iconic joker as well yes so, yeah, and the whole movie, though, is edited like a movie with those timeline shifts and things like that. And that's actually not very common in animated because it's harder to tell with an animation. You can't put like a filter on it. To right. Be like, oh, this is the past. Now this is the future. So they did a really good job. They did. It was a lot sunnier. Do you ever notice that? Like the yeah. back backstory was it was much more daytime stuff. Very yeah. sunny outside. Yeah. Bruce Wayne hangs out in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole premise is him making a decision right he's about he's fallen in love with this uh woman that he met but he's also made the promise to be a vigilante or or to get justice for his parents so it was actually heartbreaking in a scene where he was talking to his parents grave and he said or the mausoleum area or whatever it was and said you know i wasn't supposed to have the opportunity to be happy and like in, and it's like who signed up for that bruce yeah That's on you yeah, it's like, that's sad. What is that? <laughs> this was the fork in the road where he could either go down the path of Batman or go down the path of this relationship and see where it develops. And yep. that, that's why I liked it so much, right? Mm-hmm. It had a nice little feel about it. So long story short, they end up breaking up and he goes down the path of Batman. Mm-hmm. She disappears. She she totally ghosts. Well, no, she leaves a note with uh, Pennyworth. So yeah, but it's just like gotta go. Here's your ring back. Bye. I know, and I'm thinking like maybe you have enough time to write a note. You got to get it over to Alfred. Maybe just put another sentence. Right. Love like, you. Call yeah. me in a week. Right. It's not you. It's me. Something. <laughs> something to make him feel a little better. So now, instead of this being oh hey I you know he could be a good guy or now he's like all right I'm full on Batman now. So. <laughs> Right. I mean, there were scenes in the middle of this, but, you know, he's like, you know what? I'm going to dress up like a bat now. Even scared at Alfred. Alfred's like, what the hell? 
Well, also, he, you know, Bruce Wayne becomes love him or leave him. Like, this is really kind of the, you know, you see it at the very beginning. They're kind of going through a party and they're they're just talking about, oh, yeah, with another girl every night. Blah, blah. And so you kind of see that he's just said, OK, you know, I'm not going to have that kind of serious relationship again. Not going to let myself get hurt again. Build the wall, build the wall. Yeah, I also feel that once he's chosen Batman, he's doing them a favor, right? I don't think that Batman can be in a serious relationship with a normal lady. Mm -mm. And so that's why it's always this, I'm the playboy, I'm going to break up with them, things like that, because that's not that's not a Batman thing. Now, maybe that was a Bruce thing. He could have yeah. done that. He could have had a relationship, and we saw that. But... Once he decided to be Batman, it was over. So, long story short, I don't like Bruce Wayne very much. I like Batman. No. Yeah, nobody <laughs> likes Bruce Wayne. He's kind of a douche. Yeah. I mean, and then it's, you know, all of this angst and whatnot. And I'd rather have the angst being somebody that's doing something good for the community than just, mm -hmm. you know, uh, crying in their millions of dollars. I have to say that of all of the characters in the Batman lexicon, my favorite is Alfred, and it always will be. And this Alfred is a super snarky Alfred, too, which I just love. Yeah, he just he just makes some really great commentary throughout. And he's like the only person in the world who could get away with talking to either Bruce or Batman that way. Yeah. So we did learn a little bit about Batman in uh, Mask of the Phantasm, because obviously we learned the reason why he decided on becoming something fearful was because uh, just being some guy that could beat the crap out of everybody was not as scary as having the persona. Um, also, No, he, it wasn't a deterrent. Yeah. Also, when he was dating Andrea Beaumont, they went to some kind of like future world theme park or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And it had the house of the future and the, <laughs> it was funny. It was very retro futuristic. It was awesome. But then they also mm -hmm. had the car of the future and it was the Batmobile, just a different yeah, color. It was, he like went over and stared at it like, Hmm. I don't know. I was thinking he might just give up on the relationship for the car. Well, He's like, he well, she's nice, but she's no Batmobile. <laughs> so that was, uh, you know, we kind of knew that he wanted to do something that would scare people by using the bat symbol. But what also did we learn about Bruce? And I, I think that he really was detached from relationships before and after Andrea. She was the only one that kind of broke through. Mm -hmm. Did you get that impression? Yeah, I think probably the closest he came to any other type of relationship would have been with, you know, with Dick, with Robin. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, one of the future Robins like that. He could put it into, you know, put some of that heart and soul into it. But it's still a, a level of detachment because you can just yeah. see it almost as a professional kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, but then there's Alfred. I mean, I think Alfred's all he's got, you know. I think Alfred understands that that Bruce is more Batman than Bruce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't honestly in the in the present day uh, in the show, we don't really see much of Bruce. Most of what we see is Batman. We yeah. see Bruce in the flashback. So it's almost like Bruce disappears too. Yes, I agree. And then there was a part where it starts to turn into a little bit of a Scooby-Doo cartoon <laughs> in the graveyard. <laughs> oh, so, so what's the deal with standing in front of your parents' tombstone dressed as Batman? That's not right. a great idea. And talking to them three feet from where you know your girlfriend is in town, and she'll probably be talking to her mom's tombstone. Like, 
you know, here's the deal. Everybody's like, oh, nobody knows who Batman is. I'm like, fuck, bitch. Everybody knows who Batman is. He is everybody he has ever been around <laughs> knows who he is. Yeah, I, it, I think it becomes very obvious when you see how much money he has and how much money other people in Gotham have. Yeah, there's definitely a, an upper echelon. And, you know, they even say, and it may have been in the other book, but, it, you know, the, they're basically the first family of Gotham. Yeah. So who else in town has enough money for all that fucking gadgetry that you can blow shit up on a daily basis and it doesn't make a dent? Yeah. And who doesn't have a full-time job that gets in the way of this? Who's never who's never around at the same time? Yeah. yeah. You know, so what was what was interesting and this is one of our major spoilers is that so it turns out that the reason why Andrea had to leave town was because her father got in some trouble with the mob and they threatened to kill him. So she comes back like what 20 years later, long after mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne, no it was 10 years later. Uh long after Bruce Wayne had gone down the Batman path and was actually fighting these crime bosses, but not in the same sense because um, somebody comes to town and starts killing them, killing Mm -hmm. crime bosses from uh, all of these major crime syndicates all over Gotham. And everybody's blaming Batman for this. Yeah, because the the way that this character is kind of dressed from a distance can resemble the cowl that Batman wears. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. The Phantasm was a completely unique villain uh, for the movie. However, the basis of how uh, it was dressed was based on the Reaper, which was a er- much earlier comic. Mm-hmm. So everybody thinks that it's either um, Batman and Batman thinks that it could be Andrea's dad and he's going after him. I really thought it was the creepy little lawyer guy at first, to be honest. Yes. Or the, what was it? The count- councilman? I don't know what he was. Yeah. He was a fucking creeper, that guy. Batman was kind of a stalkery creeper in this as well. Yeah, yeah. He was he was very understanding in what the reason for her leaving was. I mean, obviously she really cared for him. She wasn't just like some psychopath. That being said, she turns out to be a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, her dad ended up getting killed. And she had been the one that was actually killing the mob bosses all along, dressed as the Phantasm. Yeah, I thought that was really funny because uh, Jim Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, basically says something about Batman doesn't kill. Batman doesn't kill. Like he's trying to say he's not even good because the councilman is clearly thinking Batman is because he's on the take and he's, you know, got issues with the mob and whatever. So he's trying to pin it all on Batman and get them to go after him and investigate. And Jim Gordon's like, nah, bitch, not going to do it. He's like, Batman doesn't kill. And it just actually got me cracking up thinking about the College Humor Badman series. Have oh, you yeah. seen this one? Yes. So, so the one where Commissioner uh, Gordon and Patton Oswalt as the Penguin have are confronting Batman, and he's like, "I don't kill people," and they're they're like, "You just killed five people!" Like, look at they're night night. They're they're on a farm. It's hysterical. If you haven't seen it, go go Google that shit because it's funny. Sometimes when I hit somebody, they sleep for a very very long time. <laughs> <laughs> they're like you just you just threw a battering through that guy's face <laughs> like yep. oh he's so tired <laughs> yeah so w- some of the main things that we see in this is there's the difference between andrea and or phantasm and bruce and batman because now mm-hmm. they are very very similar in that they both lost their parents right so yep. one, one later than the other and they're both vigilantes yeah they got vengeance in their heart yeah so even after 
all of that, who am I, who am I supposed to be at the beginning, the person that he actually developed this relationship also turned out to be a vigilante. Mm -hmm. That's kind of weird. Only difference is he doesn't kill because you know what? Women are much more efficient. You don't have to keep fighting the same person if they're dead. Well, that's, you know, that's the deal. If you take him out, then one less problem. Yeah. You might have a day off every once in a while. Because mm-hmm. God knows they don't remain in Arkham and they do not remain in prison in Gotham. Ever. No. Nope. Yeah. Do they even have a prison in Gotham? I feel like everyone just goes to Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Well, most of the villains are batshit crazy. So are they really or he's make them that way? All right, so the thing with Batman is different than the Phantasm, right? Is Phantasm is like, hey, you cause a death, I'm going to kill you. And Bruce is like, oh, what I want is I want justice. And justice in this way would mean going to jail or something along those lines. And he d- the and animated series keeps with the canon that he doesn't take lives. Mm-hmm. But he's so black and white. Like, this is absolutely right. And this is absolutely wrong. But if I punch you in the face a lot, it's it's only a little bit wrong. It's yeah. mostly right. Yeah, it's like technically being a vigilante is not right. But everything it's against else is the so, law, yeah. Everything else is so black and white with him. That's what's so kind of weird about it. But, you know, in the animated series, we look at him like a, a, as a superhero. So I quite enjoy it. But here's my theory. Uh-huh. And you may not enjoy this one. <laughs> From a psychology standpoint, Batman is a sociopath. Because he does very clearly know the difference between right and wrong. He very clearly applies it to other people and what they are doing is right and wrong. However, when it comes to his own morality, a little bit of a gray area. I feel that there is plenty of evidence in the animated series to the contrary. But I think that Bruce Wayne is the more psychotic of the two. No, I didn't say psychotic. I say he's a sociopath. Okay, so. yes. I think that Bruce Wayne is the more emotionally detached of the two of them. I actually think... Oh, Batman. yeah, he's just a giant douche. So, All right, so let's think about this. Let's say the mob were not applicable, and Andrea didn't have to leave town, and therefore didn't have the spark that turned her into... Uh, phantasm could they have been a normal couple i think they could have been or they could have ended up a little bit more like clark and lois because he would have had to let her in like on what he was doing you know she already saw it you know when he went after the gang in broad daylight under the bridge outside her father's office she already kind of saw that he was running down that path and so but i think she might have been a stabilizing force for him that he would have a, a little bit less of a gray morality area yeah well and she definitely would have less of a gray morality area they could have been the stabilizing influence yes, uh, yes. with each other and i think so i did feel though that you don't and both with batman and bruce wayne as well i don't think you just flip this switch overnight where you're like i'm going to get revenge I think that there's got to be something underlying that could make it so easy to walk that path. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of something. But also, if you're a little rich boy who, you know, clearly Alfred didn't take him to therapy or, you know, have any kind of control over helping him, he just sounds like he just never worked through his parents' death. And we know that because it comes up every fucking time. And so... There may have been something that was there before that we don't know. We have no idea what Bruce's life was pre 
parents' death. So yeah. I, I don't know, you know. It's uh, kind of ironic, though, that those little that little spark of I could potentially be a vengeful person underneath here, like drew themselves to each other with Andrea and Bruce. I would say for Bruce, chances are really high that he was a spoiled little shithead before his parents died. And then, you know, it was a very sobering thing once that happened. And then he just started to brood in anger and whatnot. Yeah. And now with Andrea, she had lost her mother before all of this had happened, because that's how they met was talking to dead parents in a graveyard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she might have had some sort of dark spark as well yeah you know? yeah before any of this happened okay all right well you know we will never know but yeah they're interesting theories for yes sure. now there's definitely a lot in mask of the phantasm that we didn't talk about so we didn't spoil it entirely for you there is a um a batman origin which or not a batman origin there is batman origin of course. But there is also a Joker origin in here that's a little different than some of the others. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Different but then not. You know, I feel that the, you know, we're talking about the kind of Tomorrowland theme park. Oh, yeah. He does that. That's his thing, and, right? And, and remember in The Killing Joke, he lives in a defunct theme park outside of Gotham. Like, seriously, how many theme parks does Gotham have on that kind of scale that now has a Joker living in? It's probably the same place. Yeah. Well, he also seems to like those. Well, of course he does. He's a clown. Yeah. The Killing Joke was also a feature animated that was released in theaters. It's fucked up. Yeah, it is fucked up. The beginning of that has a different origin story. Yeah. Well, all of the Joker ones are a little bit different. You know, even in Batman 89, we'll talk about later, like, oh, the Joker's now the one who killed your parents. Like, you know, there's just, Mm -hmm. it it just pops up and is, you know, it's it's very convenient. Yeah. Whatever the storyline is, is how the Joker evolved. But I have to say that Mark Hamill did an amazing job, as always, as the Joker. Oh, I know. In this. And, you know, those House of the Future things, when we were growing up, late 70s, 80s, all of the Disney things, all of the different animated things, they always showed us these like, this is the house of the future, the one where you press a button and it's completely automated. And you do have the little maid that's, you know, their uh, robot maid cooking dinner. Yeah, and then, all like you know, the Jetsons, right? Yeah, all of those kind of things were very big. And so, you know, you can see the Joker moving right into this. And because he's a nutcase, just having his own little warped fantasy life in there. Yeah, I do like, you know, it reminds me of Tomorrowland. But yes, I really love the aesthetic of retro futurism. Like, what did we think was futuristic back then? And sometimes it kind of is, uh, goes way far ahead. Like, uh, oh, the Superman series, like the Superman series from the 40s had this like futuristic look. What is his name? Fleischman or Fleischer? Anyway, yeah, yeah. All those bubble cars. Yeah. But, you know, like the bubble cars and the the bubble motorcycles and stuff like that. They yeah. were very in. It had that very uh, kind of art deco look yes, to it. Yes. This uh, movie was very much influenced uh, dec- by deco. We'll talk about that a little bit when we talk more about the animated series. I wanted mm-hmm. to give a chance to do a little uh, break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the series itself. Perfect. We'll see you guys in a minute. Hi, I'm Heather. And I'm Rhonda. And we're two wine-loving, psych-nerd, long-distance friends who host the podcast Wine Mind, where each episode we break down a psychology topic while getting buzzed on a bottle of wine. And sometimes we make up words. 
Have you ever poured back a few glasses of wine and found yourself wondering, why is wine so awesome? Why is it so hard to make friends in adulthood? What's the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? If so, then Wine Mind is the podcast for you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And check out our website at winemindpodcast.com. You can also find us on the social medias as at winemindpodcast. So uncork a bottle and join us. Cheers! Hey, do you like movies? Hey, do you like podcasts? If you do, then come on down and listen to the Home Video Hustle podcast, homie. Hustle, hustle. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Well, every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I pick a bunch of movies at random. Sometimes there's a theme to it, sometimes not. PJ picks the movie out, and guess what? We watch it on Friday. We talk about it for about maybe an hour, hour and a half, whatever we feel like doing. Might give you something good to watch, baby. Come on down every Friday. So come get your hustle on with Home Video Hustle. You can find the show on any podcatcher app, or you can come down to homevideohustle.popping.com. All of them in one place for you, so you can go ahead and binge it like it's Netflix. We ain't the Defenders, yeah. but I like to think we a little bit better than that. <laughs> Come out at your boy, man. Come chill with us. Peace. Peace. All right, and we are back. And Heather, I, before we move on to our next segment, we had some super exciting news, and I really want to talk about it real quick. All right. So, you know, we talked last week about how we have hit number 221 on the Korean TV and film Apple podcast charts. And the week before that, it was like 199 on the Dutch charts. So, you know, we've been using this PodCoin app for a couple of weeks now, and we absolutely love it because they actually pay you to listen to podcasts, which I love the incentive on that. And we have actually hit number six on their top podcast for the week. It's amazing. This is so exciting, everybody. We just stepped over the Joe Rogan experience. So I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. I love this app all the way around. I also love that I am racking up coins towards gift cards, maybe sending some clean water to some places, some charitable contributions. So I really think that everybody who hasn't given this app a try needs to get out there and do it. If you want to get free coins, you can use our code NERDY, N-E-D-R-Y, and you will get 300 free coins to get yourself started. If you are a podcaster, Use our coins, get in there, and go claim your podcast. When you do that, you will get a code of your own to give out and just keep the love going. It's amazing. That's awesome. You're already listening to podcasts. You might as well get paid for it. Right? I'm telling you, I've gone through at least 12 hours of podcasts this week that I probably would have not gotten to before if I wasn't weirdly competitive about gaining the coins. So anyway, back to Batman. All right. Okay. So now let's talk about... I can't say that this is the the one that started all for me, the Batman, the animated series, because it really is right in line with the Tim Burton Batmans. Mm -hmm. But it's a good opportunity for people to get into the essence of Batman. I I would say the animated series, because I watched a lot of this. This started coming out, I would say, when I was in high school, probably. In 90... uh, Like 93-ish? It came out a couple years after the... um, 89 Batman. So yeah. so yeah, so probably around 93, 92, 93, somewhere in there um, is when it at least when it kind of came on my radar. Because I think it came right in line with like the Animaniacs and, and some of those other shows that were on that were animated. But they weren't really for little kids. You know, they were stuff that you as a teenager could watch and enjoy without feeling babyish, yeah. I guess. 
Mm-hmm. So this is something that we used to we used to go to our friend's house after school every day, and we would just plop down on the couch and watch this kind of stuff and and just joke around and chit chat. The Batman animated series is also the birthplace of Harley Quinn. Yep. So if you're a fan of Harley, uh, then you need to know this is where she came from. She did not actually exist in the comics before the Batman animated series. Yep. And, you know, in the in this, you see her uh, more in the actual Harlequin costume as opposed to what we saw in Suicide Squad where she's just dressed like a hooker. Yeah. Hot pants. Yeah. Are we going to need to tag hot pants? Because we say it almost in every episode. Do we say hot pants? We said tight pants. It said we tight pants. We a hashtag for that. Yeah. Tight pants. I like hot pants, tight pants. Yeah. They're all good. The pants. We we should just have hashtag pants because apparently we are obsessed with, with what people are wearing, whether they're mom jeans or no pants. Or <laughs> I know. So yeah, much- Colt 45 is still regretting having us on with their 10-minute <laughs> discussion about Uma Thurman's mom jeans and cunt punts. Yes. Um, they haven't uh, They haven't invited us back, you notice. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice. Beat them down uh, and Randy. We noticed. Uh, all right. Well, so even though Mask of the Phantasm came later, I've always considered it kind of the origin of uh, Batman, the animated series. It's generally considered, now some people will disagree, the same universe as Batman, the animated series. But... Mm-hmm. There are some distinct differences. One is that Batman the Animated Series has a 90s feel with a retro 40-ish vibe, right? Uh, Yeah. So they have some things that you would only see in the 90s. uh, Shoulder pads, big hair, that type of thing. And um, But cars that are in the 40s and the Art Deco designs at the parties and on the buildings. Mask of the Phantasm. It does not have any 90s feel to it at all. It always feels Mm -mm. like 40s. All the men wear hats inside and, you know, whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's a different vibe. I think also the animated series to me was less heavy. I mean, it's also was like a 30 30 minute episode. So it wasn't like you could get too heavy into any, too much of anything. But these, you know, these different movies, because there's quite a few movies. So there's like, um, was it Batman and Superman, Public Enemies, and some of these other um, was Under the Red Hood? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of these different Mr. kind Freeze, of movies yeah. that, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of went along with that uh, series that were a little more adult, a little more serious, a little more gritty. But the animated series really kind of was an after-school, yeah, Batman. You know, it wasn't meant to be dark, yeah, real dark. It's it's weird how the movie the television show actually came out because it came out in two different ways. One, it was started out on like Fox Kids or something like that, and then mm-hmm. Fox actually picked it up as primetime, which is super weird because cartoons in primetime are not very common, uh, as you know. And now or successful, yeah. It you know the only ones that are actually successful are the ones on Fox. So I mean, I guess right. they know which one. Simpsons, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but. Uh, Depending on where you're watching the series now in present day, uh, like Amazon Prime had it for a while. I don't know if they still do, but they're nope. using like the Fox uh, release of it. 
And mm-hmm. it's all screwed up. It starts out with the Joker and Robin and stuff are in it, but Robin didn't actually come in until later, and they have different yeah. intros. Um, That's part of the problem I have with a lot of the streaming services, yeah. is they're not super good about running things in their actual order. Yeah. So, so the, the DVDs you'll get, it will be in chronological order. DC Universe is in chronological order. Because um, in general, those television shows... The first seasons were entirely just Batman, and then right. Ro- and then Robin came into play, and then they actually changed it to the Batman and Robin. I I I enjoy, and I've always said this: I enjoy Batman more by himself than with his Bat family because it doesn't feel natural for Batman to have attachments kind of outside. He he right. he never seems to care that much about his sidekicks. Even though, like, he's adopted them or whatnot with Robin. Yeah. So it feels weird to me that I'm, like, watching somebody who feels like they're forced to be friends or be mentors to these people. When he really, that's not his primary goal. He just, I, he's detached from them. He always seems to be. Well, it's easier when you get accidentally get people killed all the time to, uh, you know, <laughs> to not care that much. Yeah, there's a very good reason. Mm-hmm. So... All right. We talked about the moral compass of Batman, where he has the no shades of gray, and you're going to see that in the animated series. Also, we learned a lot about the villains of Gotham, the way more than we did in any of the movies at this point. Right. Um, Obviously, the comic books always had the villains in them. But, you know, when you're 10 or 11, I mean, I, I just didn't have access to comic books like I do now. No, I didn't either. Yeah. So... Uh, the, these were my entry point. And I, I think that that's fairly common. You know, I grew yeah. up in the suburbs in Utah. I can't think of one comic book store. <laughs> they're probably there, but they're like underground in somebody's basement. And you have to have a code. They're like the speakeasies. Yeah. Like you get the bar on one side and a comic book place on the other. So I really liked the animated series and I, I enjoyed watching it. I did watch it when it came to Fox on the prime time. Right. So that's when I saw it. I just loved the stylized version of it. I find that cartoons oftentimes won't actually, if you freeze a frame, it's not necessarily beautiful. It's more functional. Mm-hmm. But and the animated series, you freeze a pr- frame and you could frame it and put it on the wall. Yeah, the cells and everything are absolutely gorgeous. You know, another thing that makes the animated series different than other uh, cartoons or other Batmans is it more focuses on the victims of the crime as much as the perpetrators. So although we learn all about the villains, we see that there's this extra level of importance played on who is actually the victim or the innocent bystanders in all of it. And I really don't see it much in anything else. No, no. Obviously it's always conceptual. There were innocent people in there, blah, you know, type of thing. But this one, it really does. And you also see Batman, and and I don't see this in any other portrayal of him, go in and checking up on his victims after the big bad's been caught. Yeah. He d- he does that a lot. You know, the mm-hmm. very last scene of almost every single episode is him going back and watching over the people that he protected in some sort of way. Which you know, I'll say, I think, I think DC actually does that kind of across the board. Uh-huh. You see it a lot in Flash and Arrow and some of the other shows that we see on the CW. They're constantly going and checking up on the people who have gotten injured in the line of whatever protection they're trying to provide. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that they focus on that because 
really. I don't think Marvel ever does that. Yeah, because it's not all about you, Marvel. Like, and it's not, not always about you, uh, superhero <laughs> X, right? Right. There was uh, also the the fact that you flew into the side of this building and now uh, right. all, you, all these people you are destroyed out of Sokovia. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you kind of crashed an entire town <laughs> and then a medical complex. You know, it's cool. Exactly. I mean, you saved eight people, so that was nice. I mean, the 30 people you killed in the meantime. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of collateral damage in comic books and in the comics. And I would say Marvel actually is worse on collateral damage. Except for uh, Man of Steel. Man of Steel. I think there was so much collateral damage. I am surprised there's a planet left. I know. Like, you wouldn't think that Metropolis would be as big of a deal anymore. Because Mm-mm. it's practically gone. They that's started right. what's already. left. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, I think that's about uh, it. I If you're trying to just get into Batman and see what the big whoop is about, I think animated series is an excellent jumping in point. It's mm-hmm. easy. It's, in a sense, relaxing, even though it's all about crime fighting. And, you know, because it's a cartoon, it's not as inherently violent. Well, the voice the voiceover work alone is amazing. amazing. So you've got... Mark Hamill, who most people know as Luke Skywalker, but is actually most iconically known as the Joker in the animated series. And I mean, the man is a genius. Yeah. Just absolutely insane because the Joker before that, you know, even, you know, with the Joker that Jack Nicholson played and the Joker from, you know, what was it? Cesar Romero with the painted over mustache back in the, yeah, uh-huh. back in the sixties Batman series were just kind of ridiculous characters, you know, and this Joker is ridiculous, but he's also terrifying because even though he's animated, he's a fucking nightmare. Like he is literally deranged. The other ones are just kind of like, ha ha, here's my joke, buzzer, joy buzzer, bleh. But he's like, I'm going to murder your mother and eat her soul with this yeah. joke box. You know, <laughs> you're like, dear God, <laughs> like, yeah, that's what true psychosis looks like is the Joker. I agree. In fact, it really puts a strain on his voice. Oh, but yeah. It, it doesn't sound like him, but it sounds like the Joker. It's just a great sign of a voiceover artist and him and Kevin Conroy really make these movies. Yeah, so, they're classic. In fact, uh, Matinee Heroes sometime last year had uh, an entire Q&A with uh, Kevin Conroy on it. If you want to find that episode and download it. It was about Very a year nice. ago. Very cool. All right. Well, So yeah, next week. Yes. What's coming up next week? So next week we're going to talk about the Tim Burton's Batman. We've been calling it that. The Batman series that started in 89 with Michael Keaton to start off with. And we'll, we'll focus on probably the Michael Keaton versions of it and then kind of just discuss on a broader sense of what we see out from the rest of that series. But mm-hmm. this is where I got into Batman. Yep, me and too. And so many people of our age did. Now, Well, I mean, technically the Batman... The 60s Batman series were still on reruns like Nick at Night and shit when I was a little kid. So that's probably where I first saw it. But it was such a cheesy, almost comedy version Mm -hmm. that that when you saw Batman 1989 with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, it was like, whoa, yeah. Batman is actually someone to be reckoned with. Yeah, like, oh, that's the point. The point is right. that the, the bat is supposed to be scary and not... Right, supposed- not doing the Batusi in a bar. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
So uh, yeah, I, so we'll hit Batman and Batman Returns a little more hardcore, but we'll talk about the others as well. Yeah. Also, let's remember um, coming up, we're going to be at Comic Palooza again this year. So yay. we're super excited to see everybody out there. And they just made the mother of all announcements that Daenerys is coming to Comic Palooza. And I nearly just freaked out because I have been binge watching Game of Thrones for the past three, four months waiting for the, the final season. Yeah, it's on my list to start watching through per our Gilmore You've Girls swap 60 arrangement. hours to start. You got to get going. <sighs> well, I think it might yeah. even be 80 hours, but I'll just say 60 to make it so it sounds more palatable. Yeah. Yeah. So each season <laughs> is 10 hours and they're, I were about to hit the eighth season. But last season was short, so yeah, so you got you seventy six hours, I believe. We agreed to it, so I am going to watch it. I have seen the first. You got to do it before Comic Palooza, because if you don't know about the Mother of Dragons, by the time we hit Comic Palooza, it's going to be embarrassing for you. I've seen the first season. <laughs> I know about the Mother of Dragons. I read the first book. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm not in a pop culture hole. I just don't particularly enjoy watching the series, but I'm going to. And I, but I love Amelia Clark. I loved her in Solo. Like she is oh, yeah. adorable. Mm-hmm. I love her as a human. If you ever see her on the Graham Norton show when she's on with uh, Matt LeBlanc, the Joey mm-hmm. from Friends, hysterical. She just fangirls all over him, and it's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. So oh. I'm very excited that she's going to be there. Um, I think they just announced uh, Natalie Emanuel is also mm-hmm. going to be there. Oh, she's super um, cool. Yeah, um, all the Animaniacs are going to be there. Like, it's just, it's a cool lineup that's pairing up this year yeah i'm really excited to see everybody too i you know it's my chance to get back to town and see everybody i believe we're going to be on two panels podcasting 102 and uh one about nerds in podcasting so sweet we're still uh we're still waiting to hear about our other panel as well our normal live show that we do every year so as soon as we have details on that we will get them out to you either uh via the recording or through our social media. So keep track of us on Twitter at Nerdy Bitches Pod, Facebook, you can find us Nerdy Bitches Podcast, Instagram at Nerdy Bitches. We'll have it everywhere. All right. Uh, another recommendation I have other than Comic Palooza is from our discussion today on the animated series, I wanted to actually re- uh, recommend a podcast. It's called The Arkham Sessions. And I think you would really enjoy this, uh, Liz, because they have a a clinical psychologist that actually nice. goes through every episode and kind of discuss the motivations behind not only Batman, but what's more interesting is the villains and maybe like what they could be diagnosed as because they really went into the one with uh, Harvey Dent um, where they're kind of portraying him as having split personalities. And mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I don't know if you'd call what this is split personalities. And she um, and she kind of described a little bit more about maybe it's uh, closer to bipolar than the disassociative identity disorder. I mean, just really cool listening because it's like, yeah, you're hearing the fiction, but like, I really like to get see what is really behind the scenes and the really science behind it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that that sets my little psycho psychology heart a, a pitter patter. I, I thought it would. Yeah, All that's right. cool. Okay, and now I have an out of context internet quote. Sweet. All right, I just have to find it because I put it somewhere. <laughs> All right. All right, Jake from State Farm just literally burst through the door. Okay, so that actually now it's in context. Here is my in context now internet quote. 
They say a dog is a man's best friend, but I don't have enemies that would stare me directly into the eyes whilst taking a shit on my carpet. <laughs> yeah. Jake from State Farm just bust in here. So far, the taking a shit has not happened. But, uh, <laughs> so far, so he was <laughs> He was actually ramming his head against the door, so I yeah. made Upper Man let him in. So Yeah, so I put that on there uh, based on our conversation last week where we discussed uh, my dog taking a shit during a recording. <laughs> so if you miss that, go check it out. It's the number two podcast yes. on, on PodCoin right now. Yep, and another thing is what we're calling it. Absolutely. All right. Well, I we'll see you guys next week. Get ready to talk about Tim Burton's Batman. I'm Batman. Want a chance to support the show? Want to get some awesome rewards and nerdy bitches swag? Then head over to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches. From not your basic bitch to rock star bitch, we have a monthly plan to fit any budget. Your support allows us to really up our game and make sure the show stays awesome without bowing to corporate sponsorship. In addition to providing prizes, giveaways, and convention coverage, we will also donate 20% of all net profits each month to other independent podcasts. This allows us to help grow other indie shows that we believe in. So hit us up at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches and support your favorite bitches today. Music provided by www.bensound.com, and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. It's it's the illusion of fucks given.